That's awesome. Man, what an incredible week we had with VBS here, and we want to thank all of you uh, who volunteered, who gave your time and your week, and uh, man, my kids enjoyed it. I know all the kids that were here really enjoyed it, and so thank you so much for uh, all of your hard work this week in VBS. Well, it's Father's Day, and uh, we got a giveaway here, so if you got your tickets, take and pull it out. You know, I was thinking this morning, uh, Mother's Day, we have flowers and nice backdrops for photos with mom. Father's Day, we put food on the stage and a wrestling ring in the auditorium. We're like, ah, it's dad's. It's all right. We'll just kind of go with it. But we got a gift card for you. Mom's got a $100 Amazon gift card. We get $100 worth of meat at Ellis Meat Market. So you get to cook your gift card. So it's going to be great. So nothing says Happy Father's Day like sending out in the blazing heat and cooking your own meal. So dad's, you ready? Here we go. Pull out those tickets. Let's give this away real quick. Let me find the number. 421151. 421151. Who is the lucky guy that stands outside and gets to cook? The, come on, dude. I ain't bringing it to you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, will you run this to that guy right there? Sorry, bro. There you go. Get it to him. Happy Father's Day. Congrats. There you go. We know where lunch is served, right there. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is JC, and if we have not met yet, I'm the student and college pastor here, and man, I am fired up to be here with you today. You can take your Bibles and open up to the book of Hosea. Hosea is where we'll be this morning, and uh, being that it is Father's Day, I got a lot of titles that I have had in my life, but Father is my absolute favorite title. I have six kids, 11 years old and under, man. They are like chihuahuas on Red Bull. They never stop, and I absolutely love them to death. They're just savages who three of them still need Jesus, and uh, so we're praying that that happens quickly, but I look at my kids, and I wonder at times if they could just trade places and see how much I love them. Like if they could just see through my eyes and realize that I love them so much and their, my love for them is not based on how good they are, because if that's the case, I wouldn't love them half the time. If, it's not based on what they can do for me. My love for them is literally because they are my kids and I love them so much. It is a love that, only parents can explain in this room. And when you think of this, you, you got to understand that God's love for us is the same, only just incredibly larger. That God loves us, that his love for us is not based on how well we are doing, not what we can do for him or how many times we perform, but simply because we are his kids. And I know this word father evokes a lot of stuff in us. For some, Father's Day, uh, when you think of dad, it is, uh, you know, nice long talks on the front porch. Maybe uh, Father's Day is fishing. Maybe Father's Day is hanging out. Maybe that word uh, is absent. Maybe it's pain. There's a lot of emotions that this word brings up. When we think of God as our heavenly father, I think what we have to understand is that we get in this performance-based thinking that we have to please God or that we have to always be at our best behavior rather than just recognizing that he's a good God and he loves us as his kids exactly how we are. And when I think of our God, our heavenly father, 
I want us to be reminded this morning that we are loved by him and that doesn't change. It's who we are. And you need to remind yourself that over and over again. The Bible is not discreet about our relationship with God. He tells us in Romans 8, 15, that you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I love this because he takes care of his kids. So we've been in this series on generosity. And when I think of why we give, why do we come to church? Why do we give to church? Well, because we serve a God who takes care of his kids. We give because he gave. When I think of that, I understand that there is not a need that we're gonna have in life that he hasn't promised to fulfill. He tells us in Matthew 10 that he takes care of the sparrows, but he says he cares so much more for his children than the sparrows. He provides and is attuned to our needs. He loves us. He loves us. And there's two truths that you gotta remember this morning is that you are God's child if you've said yes to him and that God is a good Father, And this morning, what I want to do for the next few minutes is look at one of the most mind-blowing, riveting stories of the goodness of God, one that is almost too difficult to believe, but shows us the generosity of God and why we as his church, we as his children, we as his people ought to be generous people because a God who loves and knows is a God full of grace and a God full of goodness. In the book that we are reading from this morning, we get one of the most bizarre yet riveting illustrations of what a father's love for his children is actually like. And in Hosea chapter one and verse two, Hosea goes down as a man who received probably one of the worst ministry assignments when he graduated from seminary, if you will. He got this assignment and it is to go in verse two, Go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. I'll be honest with you, when I graduated from seminary, I, I didn't get this assignment. We were sent out to be missionaries and evangelists and pastors and preachers. Hosea, he, he got an interesting calling here. He's like, could you give this from someone else? But what you're going to see in this story is how God identifies in Israel that she has looked to other nations for help instead of God. And when Israel felt afraid, instead of turning to God who she should have, it looked to other things, ran down to Egypt or Assyria, said, you gotta help us. And it may not sound immoral, but something had replaced God. And what we are seeing here is that uh, there was a replacement that had taken place. And God is going to speak through Hosea and show that even in that there is mercy and there is grace. And so God said to Hosea, I'm gonna illustrate for you so that everyone will see. So I want you to go love a woman who is not going to be faithful to you but through your story, Hosea, I'm gonna prove how faithful and how good and how generous and how gracious I am. Look what he says in verse three. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, to make matters worse, homegirl's name is Gomer. Her dad, Diblam, sounds like he sneezed when he was being named Tiblam. But he <laughs> 
She got it. He named his daughter Gomer, like Shazam. <laughs> Here they are. He's told to go and marry this lady who's already gonna be unfaithful to him, but homegirl's name's Gomer. Hosea, he didn't just go through the formalities either. He takes Gomer as his wife, and they have children together. Look what it says in verse five. But shortly thereafter, Gomer returns to her old ways. She said, I will go again after my lovers. And she did this in broad daylight with everybody to see, with the rumor mill going crazy. Did you see Gomer? She's back at it again. Can you imagine the, the talk around town? Here's the minor prophet. He's a prophet like the others. He just wrote a shorter book. His wife's named Gomer. Now she's out committing blatant acts of unfaithfulness against Hosea. The rumor mill had to be going crazy, or the prayer chain, as we call it in church. <clears throat> Not here, at Connection, though. Eventually, she leaves Hosea for a man who pays her for her services. And to make matters worse, this new guy abuses her. And Hosea is pleading with her to come back but she refuses. Verse eight, we see that he even gives the man that she's living with money to take care of her. Hosea loves this lady so much, he understands that God has told him to marry her. He's generous with his giving. He's like, hey, even though you're unfaithful to me, I'm still going to give. I'm gonna give to this man that has bought you because I want you to understand that I still love you and I still care about you. And eventually, as the story goes, the new lover gets tired of her and tries to sell her back. And God appears to Hosea again with a second assignment. Look what he says in chapter three and verse one. He says, go again. <laughs> go again, Hosea, and show love to this woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. First assignment, you gotta be like, okay, one, her name's Gomer, you sure? Two, there's unfaithfulness happening there, but now I've gotta go again? And I've gotta love this lady? You gotta keep in mind, Hosea is a real dude. Like Hosea, he, he hears the people talking. He has experienced the shame and the rejection and the hurt that has come with this. Hosea has to be like, you gotta be kidding me, by her back. She's humiliated me, she has scorned me, she's embarrassed me. Why would I go after her again? You gotta be kidding me. This is the worst ministry assignment ever. But what we see is Hosea, he goes to the auction block. Scholars say that Gomer would have been standing there on the auction block in the modern day sex slave in the trafficking, standing there naked so other men could see Gomer. And as they are paying for her services and only want to take advantage of her, stands a man who wants to love her. Stands a man who wants to continue to be married to her. And so in the midst of this crowd, Hosea understands the calling. He's already had children with her. He loves her. And here we see Hosea buying his wife back. 
When I think of this story, it is almost mind-blowing, and it's like, how, how can we see God's faithfulness in this story? Well, you've gotta understand a few things. One, you gotta understand that the reflection of the love of God through this story is very real because we see that God's love, it never ends. God's love never runs out on us. God's love is faithful. Any of us in Hosea's situation, we would have felt perfectly justified just to walk away. Hosea literally by law could have stoned Gomer, but he didn't because we see in the chapters over and over again, but God, there, I love the but God statements in scripture, but God commends his love toward us while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. You see the correlation that's starting to come to light? What you have to understand is that God's love never ends. God love, God's love never runs out on us. And then we see in Hosea chapter 11 and verse eight, it might be one of the most remarkable verses in all of the Old Testament. Look what it says. How can I give you up? How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me. According to these verses, God has bound up his happiness in ours. That's how you feel when you love someone. As a student pastor, as a college pastor, I see this, the, these young people that fall in love, lust, love, and there's this, this mode that they just go into. I mean, it's like the Brian Knight song, I'll shoot the moon, put out the stars. When you love someone, you'll do anything. Okay, done. Um, thank you, I'll be here all week. Um, but isn't that kind of stupid? I mean, when you fall in love, you do some crazy things. God's happiness is bound up in your happiness. I have some friends that adopted a young boy and everything in their world just became about this young man. It's not that they weren't happy before him, but now their happiness is bound up in his happiness. And when I see this, I understand that this verse, it shows us something absolutely staggering about the love of God is that he has so united his heart with our hearts that he can't let us go. He has a bad case of the so loves. The so loves. I read scripture and I realize that God has a bad case of the so loves. He doesn't just kind of love us or merely love us, man. God lo so loves us. And that leads me to my second thought is that God loves us so much that it literally, his love eviscerated him. S-A-T word, you didn't think I was that smart, did you? God's love eviscerated him. That word literally means cut out his heart. It eviscerated him. Purchasing Gomer for a second time, it broke Hosea financially. And here's how we know it tells us in Hosea 3.2 that he bought her for 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. Scholars say that 30 shekels was the going price for a slave in that day. And here's Hosea. He's literally bankrupting himself to buy back Hosea. And this points us forward to Jesus who was not financially eviscerated, but literally eviscerated to save us. God gave his son so that we could be restored to him. Do you realize the generosity of God? He bankrupted. 
bankrupt heaven for you and me. He bankrupt heaven. He literally ripped his heart out because that's how much he's saying, I love you. I care about you. I'm bankrupting heaven. I'm eviscerating myself. I'm literally cutting my heart out because that's what Jesus did on the cross. He took the consequences of our sin onto his body, holding the gates of heaven open for us because he doesn't want heaven without us. And so he says, I'm sending my son generosity like you and I could never imagine. He literally bankrupt heaven to rescue us. When I think of this, I realize how just the motion of giving, the action of giving, my generosity pales in comparison when I think of what he gave for me. He bankrupt heaven for us. I see the picture of the cross with Jesus hanging there and the only way to respond is pure and total love. Now you can either reject him as a phony and a fraud and walk away or you can fall down on your knees, but don't, don't patronize God with half-hearted worship, with lethargic worship, with half-hearted motions. Man, he gave it all for us. That's why we are generous people. Here's what I love about this is that God's love persists until the end. You see, there's a reoccurring theme in the book of Hosea. Go again and love this woman who is an adulteress. Go again, go again, go again. Don't give up on her, Hosea, because I'm not gonna give up on you. Don't give up, Hosea. Go again, go again, go again. You, you might have heard where, where the story of that God continues to pour out his love on us because we who are going astray, we've lost our way. We have a God who continues to chase after us. And this is how God continues to feel about us. When you fall back in sin, he says, go again. When you forget him, he says, go again. When you fall back into those same things that God has delivered you from the first time, he says, go again. He's a good God who is generous with his mercy and his grace. And I'm thankful for that because where would we be if our salvation was left up to us wandering down some pointless road? But God who is rich in mercy and rich in grace extends to us. Listen, Gomer, I love this. She didn't have to free herself from prostitution before Hosea received her back. No, he loved her exactly how she was. And too many times I hear people say, well, man, I gotta get my life right. I gotta clean up. I gotta know all the answers to every question. God loves you exactly how you are sitting in this room this morning, watching online, he knows you, he loves you, he cares about you, and he says, I love you exactly how you are. Acceptance and forgiveness and unconditional love come first, and then the change follows, because that is the gospel. You wanna hear the most generous thing ever? The gospel is the most generous thing ever, because God offers us complete forgiveness, Jesus took the penalty for us. That is an incredible exchange. 
He died in our place. I'm so thankful for that. And then freedom is that he not only takes away our sins, but he gives us the position of freedom. And he's a good father who loves us and who knows us and who cares about us. I was reading Donald Barnhouse. He said, the pursuing love of God is the greatest wonder in the spiritual universe. When we see this love at work through the heart of Hosea, we may wonder if God is really like that, but he is. He is a good and faithful father whose love knows no end. Think about it. Many years later, he would give man the ability to form the iron in the ground that he had given him into nails and fashion a tree into the fields he had created into a cross. And then he stretched out his hands upon that cross and allowed us to nail him there. And in doing so, he took our sins upon himself. This is our God. And there is no one like him. Man, when we sing that song that Chase just sang a moment ago, we say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. You are a good father who is generous in all of your ways. God, we are so thankful. It pales in comparison. We could literally stand here for the rest of our life worshiping him and it still would not be enough worship for all that he is worthy of. He is a good father. His love bankrupt heaven for you and me. His love doesn't consider himself first as it isn't selfish or self-serving. His love for you is not based on how well you are doing, but simply because you are his child. God knows you. He loves you. And some of us, the most freeing thing ever would be to learn to live from acceptance rather than for acceptance. Too many of us, we get on this religious treadmill. Now, I work out at Planet Weakness, as the staff here calls it. I go to Planet Fitness. I love it. You can eat donuts on Tuesdays and walk on a treadmill. It's great. <clears throat> if you haven't joined, $10 a month or $20 a month. If you can't tone it, tan it, right? <laughs> Stupid. Um, <laughs> but I get, I get down there to Planet Fitness, and I'll see these folks, and they're walking on a treadmill, and I'll get on there, and I'll start walking. And I look down and there's always one of those skinny freaks that has the shorty shorts on that are running really fast. And if you're in here, I love you, but you run way too quick. You can only do that for a short burst of time. And then you're out of breath and I'm still eating my donut and walking on the treadmill. Kidding, I don't do that, it's pizza. And as I'm walking on the treadmill, what I've learned though is there's longevity there. Religion says, hey, look the part, act the part, do enough good stuff, but you're going to burn out where God is saying, hey, I love you exactly how you are and you don't have to fix anything. Just continue to follow me. It's a journey. It's a process. You can be God's child. And we as a church have the most phenomenal opportunity to position ourselves to proclaim the goodness of God. Do you realize that the reckless love of God has searched us out? It has sought us. He comes looking for us. And so when we talk about guilt or grace, when we talk about giving, when we talk about all of this generosity, I know sometimes, hey Chase, welcome. When we talk about God's goodness, we talk about how, why we should give and why we are the church and why we do what we do, and it's because of the goodness of God. All of our life, God has been faithful and when we see the church, us, sitting in this room, watching online, we talk about generosity because we want to proclaim the truth of who he is to people in our world, in this city, 
in this state who need to know that there's a God who really does love. There's a God that bankrupt heaven to rescue you. There's a God who demonstrates generosity. He's not gonna guilt you into a relationship. He's going to call you exactly how you are. And I love this because in the story of Hosea and Gomer, we see a story that is almost too crazy to understand. A lot of us, if we were in Gomer's position, we'd have been like, deuces, I'm done. I'm walking away. A lot of us have walked away for a lot less stuff than Gomer. God in his goodness and in his mercy and his grace, he rescued us. Because you realize none of us in this room watching online, none of us are good enough to earn his love None of us are good enough to obtain that salvation. And he knew that. That's why he gave his son. There are things that we have in our brains even right now as you're listening that maybe aren't right, that aren't good. There's things that you can't face up to because of what we've seen and what we've heard and what we watch on the news or on TikTok. Like there, we, we can't face up to this stuff because the world is falling apart. There's times we've turned our back on God and we've walked away from him. There's feelings that we have inside of us of hate, of bitterness, of anger, of rage, maybe a decision that we've made, man. It's like our stomach is gnawing on our backbone with guilt. There's things that we have done with our hands. There's places we've gone with our feet. And I realize, as I look at Jesus hanging on the cross, the ultimate sign of love, that the thoughts that I've had that aren't right, that aren't good, the things that I can't face up to because of what I've seen and what I've heard, the times I've turned my back on him, I've walked away from him, the feelings of hate and bitterness and anger and rage I have inside of me, the things I've done with my hands, the places I've gone with my feet are covered by the blood of Jesus. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We can't give enough. We can't be generous enough. We can't earn his favor by coming to church and sitting and singing every song and making sure our hand doesn't go down. No, that's our works. That's getting on a treadmill and sprinting and getting off and being like, all right, God, there's my generosity. No, God wants our all. He wants our life. He wants you. He bankrupt heaven to rescue you. And he's saying, man, I want you to be me in this world, to example my generosity to the people that are around you. We have such an incredible opportunity right here in Statesboro to be just like this man, portray the love and the mercy and the grace of God because those who have been forgiven much live lives to the fullest. When you realize the generosity of God and how that pales in comparison to any of the good stuff that I can do, we realize that he gave all. That's why we give Listen, I don't know who you are in this room this morning. I don't know a lot of you. I've only been here in this town about eight months and there's still a lot of you that I I, I maybe wouldn't even recognize if I saw you in town. But I wanna tell you this, God knows exactly who you are. He knows your story. He knows your hurts. He knows your habits. He knows your hangups. He knows what makes you afraid. He knows the pain that you felt. He's seen the high moments and the low moments. He's seen the good, the bad, the ugly. 
He knows the secret thoughts that nobody else, not even the closest person to you, ever knows. And the goodness of God is still there. Even in those moments, he's a generous God. And maybe you're in this room this morning and you feel like you're on that treadmill. You get on it at church and you run a little bit, but then you get off and you feel like you've done your part. Where this journey, this life that we live is a marathon and not a sprint. And we realize that the goodness of God is always going to be chasing us down. But man, I'm trying to do instead of live from the acceptance of God. And maybe today there's a shift that happens in your life where you go from trying to earn the acceptance of God and you live from the acceptance. Because you know what he calls us? Sons and daughters. He knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. Exactly where you're at. What I love about this is that God turns Gomer's into Hosea's. He takes us exactly where we are and makes us incredible people following him. When I think of the goodness of God, I realize that my half-hearted worship at times, what I think is generous, it pales in comparison. And my encouragement to you today is how has the love of God radically changed you to live as generous people, proclaiming the goodness of who he is? Because here's where we're at. There's no shadow in life that he can't light up. There's no mountain that you're ever gonna face that he won't climb. There's nothing that you will ever face in life that he is not going to go through it with you. And the goodness of God is the generosity that we live from where he says, hey, I know you and I love you and I'm not gonna guilt you into a relationship, but I'm gonna give you grace. And maybe you're here today sitting in this room, you're watching online and you're trying to go through the motions. You, you've got a lot of that stuff that's facing you in life and you're like, man, I, I just can't earn enough. I can't do enough. And I need the grace of God to radically change my life. I wanna invite you, wherever you're at, sitting in this room, watching online, I wanna invite you to bow your head and to close your eyes. Nobody's gonna come and stand over you. I'm not gonna point at you. I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand. But what I want you to do in this moment is I want you to draw an imaginary circle around yourself and there's nobody inside of that circle right now but you, me, and God. And sitting in that circle right now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I ever said yes to Jesus? Have I ever said yes to this generous God who bankrupt heaven for me, who sent his son to set me free, to rescue me, who knows everything about me? Have I ever said yes to him? If the answer is you search your heart, you realize, man, I've, I've never given Jesus the steering wheel of my life. Can I invite you right now to say yes to him. There's no magic prayer. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything because this is business with you and God. And as you sit in the stillness of this room, on your couch, in your office, 
Will you cry out to a good father who doesn't care about the way that you ask, the way that you come to him. He's just wanting you to talk to him. God, you know me. You know everything about me. Here's my life. With all the hurts, the habits, the hangups, the good, the bad, the ugly, the sin. God, I need you to rescue me and set me free. I'm giving you the steering wheel of my life. Lead me for the rest of my days. Use your words. Here's the promise that we have though. When we say yes to him, he invades our life. He rescues us. He sets us free. He gives us a new lease on life. And maybe today you've gone from death to life. You've said yes to King Jesus. We would love to celebrate with you. After this service is over, there'll be some prayer team folks here at the front of the stage. You can shoot us an email. Just come find one of us and say, hey, I said yes to Jesus today. I gave Jesus the steering wheel of my life. I said yes to the most generous God and I wanna begin to follow after him. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your goodness that never stops pursuing us. The goodness that never ends, it never gives up, it never runs out, it never walks out on us. God, you are a good God. You know us, you care about us, you love us. And Father, we are so thankful that you bankrupt heaven to rescue us. God, I thank you for my friends sitting in this room today watching online, who said yes to you for the very first time. Who said, I'm gonna give Jesus the steering wheel of my life and allow him to lead me and to guide me for the rest of my days. Father, we celebrate with them right now. We know that heaven throws a party when one person comes into the family and so God, we're gonna celebrate that. God, I pray that we as your church, <laughs> that we will continue to be about your business of proclaiming the truth as we make the fame, the renown, the esteem of your son, Jesus Christ, known here in Statesboro. God, I pray that you do something in our hearts and in our lives that spurs us on to generosity so we can continue to proclaim the goodness of you. I love you, Jesus. We're gonna worship you now. It's in the strong name of King Jesus we pray and we sing. Amen. Let's worship together.